And I'm Scott. And we are Fired Up, Ready to Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Week 15. That is exactly right, and that is from the show Hamilton. That's the character George Washington, who Malcolm Nance always quotes. We are outgunned. Outmanned. Outnumbered. Outplanned. Republicans are up to all sorts of shenanigans to steal this election, because they know they'll have to steal it in order to win it. And we have got to rise up and take a stand, and people. Turn out, and turn out in numbers. That's, That's the right. way we're going to win it. We've got to show up. We've got to show up, and we've got to have enough people to outnumber all of the shenanigans. We can do it, people. We can. We need you, though. So, this is our last podcast before the election, because next week we'll be busy getting out the vote. So, let's get on with it. On we go. And now... Domestic Trump Troubles. The Washington Post reports, Special Counsel examines conflicting accounts as scrutiny of Roger Stone and WikiLeaks deepens. In recent weeks, a grand jury in Washington has listened to more than a dozen hours of testimony, and FBI technicians have poured over gigabytes of electronic messages as part of the special counsel's quest to solve one burning mystery. Did longtime Trump advisor Roger Stone or any other associate of the president have advanced knowledge of WikiLeaks plans to release hacked Democratic emails in 2016? Dun, dun, dun. Prosecutors are closely examining these communications Stone made in 2016, suggesting that he had a way to reach WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. On Friday, Mueller's team also questioned Steve Bannon, Trump's former strategist. Less than one hour after the Post published Trump's crude comments during a taping of Access Hollywood, WikiLeaks delivered a competing blow to Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton, by releasing a trove of emails hacked from the account of her campaign chairman, John Podesta. Well, that was a coincidence. In an interview this week, Stone vehemently denies any prior knowledge of the Podesta emails. It is unclear whether the special prosecutor has evidence connecting Stone to WikiLeaks activity. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We shall see. Hmm, that doesn't smell like collusion. This story is sourced partly from CNN. On Wednesday, October 24th, Maurice Stallard and Vicki Jones were among those going about their business at a Kentucky Kroger, not knowing that nearby an angry white man failed in his attempt to mow down congregants of the First Baptist Church in Jefferson Town. Had that man, Gregory Bush, gotten an earlier start to his day, he would likely have been successful and we might have been reading headlines of any of the number of the 70 or so congregants gathered at a midweek service having been murdered. Lucky for these congregants, Bush showed up after the service, 
and by then only about 10 people remained and the building was locked. The churchgoers' luck, however, was Maurice Stollard and Vicki Jones's misfortune, as Bush redirected his rage to a more accessible target. Stollard was killed by Bush in the store in front of his 12-year-old grandson. Jones was killed by Bush in the parking lot. We don't know 100% what prompted Bush to open fire on Stollard and Jones, both African-Americans, though according to The Cut, he told a bystander after the shooting that, quote, whites don't kill whites, unquote. There are many other things that we do know about Bush, such as his misdemeanors that he racked up, restraining orders filed by both his ex-wife and his parents after separate episodes of verbal and physical abuse, and of his struggles with schizophrenia, none of which made him permanently eligible, however, to own and possess a weapon. In fact, his father wrote in his court petition for a restraining order, quote, He carries a gun everywhere he goes. He is dangerous. He is paranoid. I want him to stay away, end quote. Currently, Kentucky law only bans gun ownership to those convicted of harming a spouse or their own child. According to the Louisville Courier-Journal, quote, Kentucky lawmakers next year are expected to consider legislation that would reinforce the federal law banning domestic abusers from possessing guns after a single instance of fourth-degree assault. They may also be asked to act on a red flag law, which 13 states have enacted, that allows police or relatives to petition a state court to take guns from people who may be a threat to themselves or others. Neither chamber of the, Kennedy, of the Kentucky State House, by the way, took a vote on similar legislation that they considered this past year. Oh, boy. ABC News reports, Police who rushed to a Pittsburgh synagogue where 11 people were killed were soon met with a string of gunfire. Eventually, the gunman gave up and crawled out, apparently saying about his motive, quote, all these Jews need to die, unquote. Vox reports that the shooter's last post on social media was on the pro-hate speech media site Gab, and he said, quote, Hyas likes to bring invaders that kill our people. I can't sit by and watch my people get slaughtered. Screw your optics, I'm going in, unquote. Hyas is a Jewish nonprofit organization that resettles refugees in the U.S. The obsession that appears to have tipped the gunman over the edge was a conspiracy theory insinuating that the migrant caravan currently making its way through southern Mexico and which President Trump and conservative media have treated as an existential threat to the United States, is a Jewish plot funded by Democratic megadonor George Soros. George Soros, who himself was sent a pipe bomb last week. The 11 victims in the synagogue were people in their 50s to 90s who were there for a circumcision, a ceremony known as a bris. What a nightmare this is. The New York Post reported earlier this month on the 16th that Daphne Carmona Galinza, a Maltese journalist who led the Panama Papers investigation that revealed corruption in the tiny island nation, that being Malta, not Panama, was killed by a car bomb near her home. 
I don't include this story to suggest that Trump and his smears of the press being the enemies of the people had anything to do with Galinza's murder, but as a reminder that journalists are targets abroad and that Trump's comments make, them, make truth seekers targets at home as well. In fact, target journalists were among those in the sights of America's own domestic terrorist, Cesar Sayoc, who was reported by NPR to have had a list of over 100 potential targets, including entertainers and especially politicians, in addition to journalists, according to The Hill Reporter. CNN was a recipient of two of Sayoc's pipe bombs, and an editor of the New York Times was on his list as well. Most recipients of the more than a dozen pipe bombs that he had actually mailed were politicians critical of Donald Trump, including past presidents Clinton and Obama, as well as Representative Maxine Waters, former Vice President Joe Biden, Senators Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, former CIA Director John Brennan, and former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper. Additional recipients were George Soros, Tom Steyer, and Robert De Niro, all outspoken critics of the president, and I understand Beto O'Rourke as well. Mm. Fortunately, none of these pipe bombs detonated. Whether they were intended to, or whether they were intended only to be threats, is not yet known. What is known is Cesar Sayoc faces spending the rest of his life in prison. What's also known is that Donald Trump has spat on precedent by not reaching out to his predecessors with words of concern, nor updates on the investigation before or after Sayoc was identified and detained. Mm. Instead, Trump continued to fan hostility to Soros, for one, continuing to falsely charge him with funding the Central American asylum seekers currently making a slow journey on foot through Mexico to our southern border. Even after he surely knew that Sayoc had been identified, Trump went on a 3 a.m. Twitter tantrum last Saturday blasting CNN for blaming him for the bombs. Perhaps, Trump, perhaps Trump's handling of the pipe bombs would have been more presidential had his follower Sayoc not timed his reign of terror so close to the midterms. The fact that, a, that our current president has no class, no humanity, than to reach out to former presidents who were threatened with assassination makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, I'll pass. I'll, I'll pass. That's what he said when asked if he would like to contact anyone. Despicable. What kind of American wouldn't reach out to former presidents? I, I don't know what to say. Although I guess we're going to say a lot more about this man very soon. CNN reports local national officials declined to appear with Trump in Pittsburgh. Trump paid a visit to Pittsburgh where some local officials said his presence was unwelcome and where um, shouts of protest could be heard in the distance as he viewed memorials to the murdered victims. Trump went unaccompanied by a slate of elected leaders who declined invitations to join him. Instead, he traveled with Melania, Ivanka, and Jared. He was greeted by the congregation's rabbi, Jeffrey Myers, and made no public remarks of which I'm sure we are all grateful. He met with law enforcement officials who were wounded Saturday. He also spoke with a patient. Outside the synagogue and hospital, angry neighbors formed a march near where the president was paying his respects. Trump had been asked by many residents and local officials to delay a visit until after the victims were buried. 
The mayor had advised Trump aides that a visit on Tuesday was too early, citing security and logistics concerns. Quote, we did try to get the message out to the White House that our priority tomorrow is the first funeral, said Mayor Peduto. But as usual, Trump does exactly what Trump wants when Trump wants. Never mind the fact that he might be causing more problems to a city in crisis, a city that's trying to bury dead, uh, dead members. He just doesn't care. There's zero empathy with this man. It's it, somehow his need to be seen as some empathetic guy is more important than the needs of the uh, of the city and its victims. It's despicable. It is really despicable in in a string of despicableness. CBS reports that a Muslim-led fundraiser nets $150,000 for funeral costs of synagogue shooting, reaching their goal of $150,000 from 3,600 donors in just over 48 hours. The co-founder of one of the groups, Linda Sarsour, said, quote, Initially, it was intended to be a gesture of solidarity. We wanted to give more than just thoughts and prayers, unquote. The group hopes to cover the entirety of all funeral expenses for each of the victims. What a beautiful thing. And now for your Tweet of the Week. Our Tweet of the Week is from Representative Joe Kennedy III, who said, We will not sit by while hatred finds safe quarter in our United States. We will not allow the country we love to be shackled by the dark forces of anti-Semitism, supremacy, and prejudice. Thank you, sir. Reasons you must vote Democrat on November 6th. Okay, everybody, welcome to the centerpiece of this episode, Reasons to Vote for Democrats. All politics are local. And midterms are a time to elect local representatives. But make no mistake, this is a national election. If there are people in need, hungry, homeless, or vulnerable to the threat of physical, sexual, and or emotional harm, if those people exist, there will also exist people of privilege and or power who will exploit them, exaggerate their fears, and scapegoat other populations as being responsible for what ails them. Those of privilege and power will use whatever shallow commonality they share with the dispossessed, such as the color of their skin, their heritage, or religion, to earn, or rather extract, the loyalty of those needful masses. And if they convince one group that the source of their suffering is another group, their own power will be assured, and nothing will change except that they'll get more and the masses will get less. These privileged and powerful fear the prospect of the masses' needs being met, that is why the Trump administration is determined to curb the number of asylum seekers entering the country, not only because he doesn't give a shit about them, but because they are his number one scapegoat. That is also why he wants to fold the Department of Education, led by Betsy Devos, whose history is of siphoning funds from public schools to for-profit schools, into the much larger Department of Labor, where the former's mission is sure to be lost. That is why Trump appointed climate change denier Scott Pruitt to head the Environmental Protection Agency. 
That is why, just on October 15th, the Portland Maine Press-Herald reported that Mary Mayhew, who opposed Medicaid expansion in that state, is now to head the country's Medicaid program. It explains why he appointed Mick Mulvaney to head the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau because of, not in spite of, Mulvaney's hostility to the agency, as evidenced by his first ignoring and ultimately firing its 25-member advisory board. There are more examples of Trump nominating and appointing people to lead agencies of which, to which they are hostile, one of whom so embodies Trump's mantra of using government positions for personal gain, Ryan Zinke, head of the Interior Department, that his own ethics panel has now referred their conclusions of his self-dealing to the FBI. Trump's nominations and appointments are his primary means of steering the national ship, and they are not being made to serve the needs of the American people. Rather, as Steve Bannon called for at the outset of Trump's term, they are supporting the dismantling of the administrative state. From schoolhouse rocks, you and I all know the basic tenets of the Constitution and therefore government, so let's break down how they're being supported by Trump and his party. Establish justice. With Jeff Sessions at the helm? Justice for who? Certainly not minorities. Ensuring domestic hostility, not tranquility, is how tyrants are able to stay in power, and those are the seeds of Trump. Those are the seeds that Trump sows every day with his endless stream of lies to the American people. Provide for the common defense. An argument can be made that he's doing this since defense is where the vast majority of our budget goes, but it's also what he sees as a source of revenue, whether from countries where we have peacekeeping troops stationed or through arms sales to the likes of Saudi Arabia, who we might prefer as the dominant power in the Middle East than Iran, but with whom we are otherwise not at all philosophically aligned. Promote the general welfare. By dismantling coverage of those with pre-existing conditions that was only just passed in the last administration after just being talked about and around for decades before? By placing conditions and restrictions on receiving government assistance? By declaring that Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid benefits must be reined in in the wake of passing the biggest tax benefit to the 1% ever? By prioritizing the goals of the NRA over the will of the people? Ensure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Well, that is the domain of the cabinet departments and agencies already mentioned, plus others that are either understaffed or, again, staffed with appointees hostile to their respective missions. And with all this, our Republican-led Congress has failed to rein in Trump, instead enabling him at every turn. That is why this is a national election. We must use this election to undo the many electoral cycles before it that the Republicans used so effectively to insert themselves at every level of government. Hand it to the Republicans. They've got winning elections down to a science, but they've either forgotten how to or lost interest in governing in the process. And I'm not suggesting that the democratic way is always the right way, but I do believe that because of this president and of the gains his party has up to now solidified, that the current crop of Dems we've got running for office at all levels are in it to govern. So let's get them in. Once they are in and attention turns to policy rather than gimmicks, let's welcome the return of arguing how best to implement our goals. Only when there's a bona fide check on this president will true conservatives be able to reemerge and distance themselves from the party of Trump to engage with liberals on how to shape policy. But without a blue wave, we will bear witness to the further consolidation of gains by Trump 
and his devotees at the expense of the rest of us, the majority. Kind of like when the Shiite minority was ruling the Sunni majority in Iraq at the beginning of this century. And we all know how well that turned out. Okay. Reasons to vote blue. Reasons you must vote blue. Number one. The president is dangerous. He is ignorant. He doesn't have a deep knowledge of anything. Not even knowledge of how to put an umbrella down. Never mind the kinds of issues like economics, domestic issues, foreign affairs. The other reason... His hateful rhetoric is dangerous. Let me be clear. There's a huge difference between people protesting politicians, shouting and confronting them to speak about their sexual assault, even saying you, we won't serve them in a restaurant, and what Trump does. He calls the press the enemy of the people, including CNN, even after CNN received two bomb packages last week. He's called Maxine Waters low IQ. He praised Gianforte for body-slamming a reporter. At a campaign rally, he said, quote, If you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of him, would you? Unquote. And another, quote, I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. Unquote. When speaking to a group of police, quote, When you see these thugs being thrown into the back of the paddy wagon, you just see them thrown in rough. Please don't be too nice. Is this the sole reason that people have become violent in the past week? Certainly not. However, it is naive and foolish to think that these attitudes and words don't set the table, don't encourage division and an us-versus-them mentality. And so he needs a check on him. Which brings us to the next point. The Republican Party has become the party of cheating. And by that, I mean all of this voter suppression in Georgia, North Dakota, Texas, etc., and fear-mongering, as exemplified best by this BS story of the caravan. Oh, it's so spooky. It's so spooky when you have a speaker that will not behave. Yes, that's right, folks. The caravan. It is the biggest non-issue blown into horror movie level terror. This caravan of migrants, estimated to be less than 4,500 people, families, mothers, children, Fathers and desperate people trying to find a better life than the nightmare of poverty and gang violence in their countries are walking to our border. They are a thousand miles away. It will take another two months for them to get here. And Republicans and our president are using every scare tactic they can think of to whip this into an issue they think will motivate voters in the midterm election. Trump has sent... 5,200 military troops to the border to aid the 2,092 National Guard who are already there to stop, as Trump calls it, the invasion. <gasps> Again, less than 4,500 people. Trump is now also saying maybe 
he'll send 15,000 troops to the border. Last week, he proposed closing the border altogether. CNN reports veterans slam Trump for border stunt. Quote, Donald Trump thinks unarmed people who are fleeing horrors and are still a thousand miles away are a national security threat a week before Election Day, said Will Fisher, a former Marine who now works for Vote Vets. Quote, it's a political ploy to blow upon the embers of racism and nativism, and is, he is using the military again as a political prop to advance his own agenda, unquote. Commentators on Fox News have used what is described as a classic xenophobic move in saying the caravan may be bringing diseases. Newsweek reports, Fox News guest claims with no evidence that they may be carrying leprosy and will infect our people. He also mentions smallpox, of which there is no evidence of anywhere in the world, and HIV. It is all a disgraceful whipping up of fear and hate, and we must stop it and say no more, no more. And this president needs a check on him, and that is why we have got to vote out these Republicans who have refused to stand up to him in any meaningful way, even in this latest round of using our military, which will cost $150 million to send our military to the border to protect us from the 4,500 migrants. Give me a break. Talk about being outmanned. Those migrants will be outmanned. Those children will be outmanned it's, by our military. I, I welcome anyone to go look at the video of these migrants that are coming. Oh, and Trump also tried to insinuate that maybe ISIS people have gotten in the middle of the caravan. It is outrageous. He has no bottom. No bottom. And we have got to make sure that there are people who can put a check on him. That's right. And these Republicans might otherwise, in another administration, be fine people. But they are not being a check on this president. They've got to go. Thank you. And now for your action of the week. Folks, here's our action of the week. Please go to moveon.org slash texts, and you can also, there's another organization called momsrising.org, who is also having you get out the vote with texts. So please, this is an easy way, not a lot of time needed, to crank out some getting out the vote efforts. It's not enough to just vote. We've got to try to get everybody out voting. So try to go to these, and you can text anonymously to people. Give it a try. Thank you. And now, for your inspirational quote of the week. Our first quote of the week is from the Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who was commenting on the four girls murdered in the 63 16th Street Baptist Church bombing, who said, We must be concerned not merely about who murdered them, but about the system, the way of life, 
the philosophy which produced the murderers. Thank you, Dr. King. Our second quote of the week is from former Republican strategist Rick Wilson, who said, Trump is, quote, a quivering mess of man-baby goo, unquote. Better words have never been said. And he delivered it perfectly. Our third quote of the week is courtesy of H.L. Mencken, essayist, journalist, satirist, and prophet, who, back in 1920, wrote for the Baltimore Evening Sun, quote, As democracy is perfected, the office of the president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people. On some great and glorious day, the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last, and the White House will be occupied by a downright full and complete narcissistic moron. How did you know, Mr. Mencken? We have got to take our shot. Tuesday, Election Day, November 6th. Please, rise up. Don't throw away your shot. This is our chance. This is part of the blue wave. That's right. And uh, while we're at it, the weekend before the election, wear blue. Wear blue everywhere you go. Blue shirts on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Wear a hat. Dye your hair. Let's go. Time to get out the vote. Thank you, people. And that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week and tell all your left-leaning, but not very active friends about us. This has been a Common Production.